So let me take you back to the year of 1982, September to be exact, when the world of music was taken by surprise by five schoolboys from Birmingham in the West Midlands UK called Musical Youth. The group comprised of two sets of brothers, Michael and Kelvin Grant, Junior and Patrick Waite, and their fellow school friend, Dennis Seaton. Who would have thought that since their musical journey from 1979 would leave them to have one of the biggest selling singles across the globe? Being the first, yes, the first black artist to be played on MTV. Meeting musical icons such as Michael Jackson and collaborating with the legend Donna Summer. To then return home and for some of the band back to school. The story of musical youth is nothing short of remarkable and with a lot of successes there has been some sadness along the way but Pastor Duchy celebrates its 40th anniversary this year and here to talk about their story in his own words. Oh I'm so excited about this. (laughs) Please the Reggae Lounge welcomes in honour Lead vocalist, Dennis Seaton. Good evening, Thank sir. You. Good evening. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good, good, good. 40 years. I know. Does it feel like 40 you years? Told me. <laughs> no, it doesn't actually. If you'd have told me 40 years ago when I was 15, that, uh, you know, in 40 years' time, you'll still be singing this song. No, nope. would have never thought it. It's weird because when you're growing up, when someone says, you know, someone's been in the, you know, even now, and someone says, oh, they've been around for 40 years, I'm thinking people such as, I don't know, someone from the 70s, someone like ABBA or something. I don't mean you guys. <laughs> That's 50 years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're not far behind. You're not far behind. So, yeah. I mean, you just said you know, 40 years ago that you'd still be singing. I mean, how, how, does, how does that feel? Right? I mean, you're both still, so you're both, you all still Tories, musical youth, or, what, or just, just you on your own? Well, for now, I mean, for the last uh, at least 12 years, I mean, Michael and myself got back together. Oh, Michael, Michael Grant, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Grant, yeah, we got back together 2007, something like six. And it was like um, just putting on an old pair of slippers, you know, because we were here seven days a week. And it was intense because we had to, I had to catch up with the band. But, I mean, yeah, I still tour as musical youth. When Michael's available, he'll come and play. Um, and for a long time, I struggled. And I say struggle, it wasn't a struggle. It was, I just thought, can I go out as musical youth, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, you know what? Just go for it. It's, it's a legacy and it's a name. It's a brand. And you have to understand the entertainment industry loves, loves success, mm. even though... People would have you believe that musical youth wasn't a success. It was a big success. But it was bigger than we ever thought. Yeah, and this is it. I mean, I, I mentioned the intro there. You, you, you were you were remarkable. I mean, you know, five young black children because you were children. Yes. To yes. enter into charts with really no um, musical knowledge, business knowledge. Yeah. You, you had your talent, and you entered yes. your school children. You entered the charts, and. 
you know, I mean, to, for that to happen now, I mean, a lot of the people would be, you know, they'd, they'd be well prepared. You know, I don't think they would be so, um, what's what I'm looking for? I, 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 I don't want to say laxadaisical, but how did it feel for you looking back? And well, look, in looking back, Erica, I mean, at the end of the day, we never, ever played in the band. We never recorded thinking we want to have a number one. That's not the discussion we had as a band. The discussion we had as a band was to be able to play, play the music we love to the best of our ability. The success was thrust on us. Mm. And the reason why musical youth, why the tentacles go so deep, 40 years deep, is because that it was so organic. It wasn't contrived, it was organic. Mm. If you tried to put a musical youth situation together now it wouldn't work because firstly parents peers just think about how much money you're going to make Mm -hmm. we never discussed that money we never discussed money it was for the love of the job he just loved singing well it wasn't even a job it was just something we loved doing you know, so it wasn't. It was never seen as a job. Okay, so other people made it a job. Oh right, so so let's take us take us back then, because mm-hmm. a lot of lot of people like myself, you know, would have uh-huh. just seen you on in 1982 on top of the pops in that video. So yes. just take, how, how did that all begin? So let's take us all back. How did it all start? Because you said so, you were you were school friends. So who's 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 right, so, you know? Go on. So taking you right back, mm-hmm. um, myself and Jeannie were best friends. Patrick was obviously Gina's brother. We were best friends. Mm-hmm. And then Michael and Calvin were being taught by Patrick and Gina's dad, Fred Wade Sr. Oh. And one, one summer, it was in the summer of 1879. We were in our, what they call year seven now. We are in our first year. And Gina says, look, my, dad, my dad's putting the band together. You know, and I used to sing a little bit. He said, you know, we might be looking for a singer. I said, yeah, really? He said, yeah, 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 we'll come and meet my dad and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, very first rehearsal, I turned up and Michael and Calvin walked, half Calvin carried his guitar to, to Fred's house. And that was in a place called Offenham House in Neutrals. And it was, a, it was a f- four floors, but he was on the ground floor. And uh, he'd set up the drums and then one of the instruments inside his living room. So I sat there and listened to them. And uh, I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And Junior popped up the courage to ask his dad if he needed a singer. And his dad went, no, we don't need any singers. Right, so I said, all right, just, I'll just leave it. Anyway, that was the first rehearsal, the very first rehearsal that I went to. The next day, I wasn't allowed in the rehearsals, so I was banned from rehearsals. So <laughs> I... Why? Yeah, well, what, what did you do? Well, Fred, Fred said I'd left some sweet papers in his chair and I was like, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, it's his house. I can't force him to make me come in the house. But what I used to do was every every time they had rehearsals, I'd be there waiting after they'd finished. So I was, that's basically where I, where I stepped in, in terms of that's how I knew the band. And I just kept there all the time and Junior would tell me what's going on. And then, and they got better and better as they practiced more over that summer. And then um, they started gigging. And it was mainly the working men's clubs they were playing at, mm. or the pubs. They played the Compton. 
obviously I wasn't old enough to go to them clubs. Um, so I had to just take a back seat. But Julie and myself still remained very, very good friends all through that time. And then, then one day he comes to me and says, look, we've, we've recorded a single. And it was down, down at, um, this single was recorded down at uh, Salt the Music Workshop in, in Salt the, obviously. High unemployment at the time. And uh, they were funded some money to record a single. The single was called Political in General. And uh, it was a double A side. And they sent it down to um, Radio 1, John Peel Show. Mm-hmm. And John Peel played it. And that was the start of the whole record industry getting involved with the music, with musical youth. Because when they did that, the A&R guys used to listen to John Peel's show yeah, and pick up bands from that show. And the countless bands got picked up by um, from the John Peel sessions or played. Yeah, they did. Anyway, um, one such guy, Charlie Air, was at A&R Records, but he was about to leave to become head of A&R for MCA Records. We didn't know this. This is all folklore. <laughs> but he'd arranged to come and see the band performing Coventry, I wasn't singing, I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he'd seen the band, he actually said, I love the band, but we're gonna have, you're going to have to find yourself a new lead singer, someone more of your own age. So that's where I stepped in. We went to school and music. I was in the, I was in the orchestra there playing the cello. Mr. Oh. Patterson was the music teacher. Mm-hmm. Gina was obviously on drums. And um, we asked him if we could hold an audition in the music room for a singer for the band. And he said, yeah, no problem. So I, I, we put out the word, put up a sign saying, look, auditions, blah, blah, blah. I was the only one who turned up. <laughs> I was the only one who turned so up. So the gig was yours <laughs> by default. And the gig was mine. Yeah, the gig was mine. And it was easy. It was easy for me because obviously every year so I was there. Yeah. And um, so that, from that moment on, the very first rehearsal we did, there the five of us without Fred. We actually wrote a song together because we were familiar with each other. Yeah. And it was it was in Michael and Calvin's living room that we recorded. Well, we never recorded. We just rehearsed. And then we used to rehearse in Fred's living room. He'd moved house by now. Um, so, and then it was a catch-up. Um, I'd gone to the very first band I'd ever seen live. Was musical youth um, supporting the beat? Oh right, and, uh, another Birmingham, the powerhouse in Birmingham. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the powerhouse in Birmingham. So the beat was from Hansworth, and uh, yeah. So and that's how it all started. Um, so I mean, so that's where I came in. Two years that was eighteen months after the band started wow. in seventy nine. So I mean, that, that's, that's that's so you had to play catch up on all that time. But like you said, you were there anyway. But, but how did yeah. how did Freddie how did Freddie Senior feel? I mean, did he feel because obviously that was his band and he was performing with that band and he had his boys with yeah. him. Did it? Did he feel quite yeah. upset, or did he just think? He, did you understand um, what they were getting at? You couldn't have a man of. I, I didn't have that conversation with Fred. Mm. Fred didn't give me an easy time. Let's get it right. Oh, yeah. Okay. He was a taskmaster. He never gave me an easy time, and he. he in fact, it was a, it would have it would have been a conversation I'd like to have to have with him now. What was your feelings? And probably you've heard because you know he put the band together, he rehearsed the band, he up writing the song, he up the songs. 
And all of a sudden, this guy, this young kid comes along and he's going to sing the songs. So, but I think he understood. Yeah. If he didn't, he didn't have much of a choice. He would have been convinced. So, so what um, did... Probably by so, I mean, I, I, I've always wondered, because I used to see you guys also, you know, getting interviewed and everything like that, because I was a diehard fan, uh-huh. as you know. And uh, yeah. so, some might say stalking, but hey, Dennis. And um, mm-hmm. uh, Kelvin, also very, very young. But he, was he 12 or 13? Yeah. So, so he was did, 11. 11. So how, yes. so where did, but to practice and to get that practice of how a live band should sound, you have to go to these places. Like you say, yours first was with a beat. But where did you practice, you know, with, to get right, that so experience? We practice, we practice in the living room of Fred's house. Sometimes the, the drums are too loud to make, to, to play. So Junior would play on his, on his knees or on the chair. Patrick would play his bass. Calvin would play the guitar. Michael would play the organ that we had. Yeah. And you do that every day? Only, um, only for a short time because then the band also got himself a manager called Tony Owens and he helped find rehearsal rooms for oh, the okay. band. Mm-hmm. And we found a rehearsal room in an old button factory in Birmingham called FS and the studio was owned by a guy named Frank Scarf. And it was FSR we used to we actually ended up at um, to rehearse. And that's when we started rehearsing seven days a week. Wow. So and so we rehearsed what... seven days a week. Mm. The thing is, I, um, again, because I'm thinking, I know what my parents would have said if, if I was say to them, I'm going to be rehearsing every day um, to be in a band. <laughs> what did your parents that, say? <laughs> that wasn't that was a conversation we ever had. My mum was just glad that I wasn't running the streets. You know, uh, I was either playing football or playing music, and it actually kept us out of trouble because rehearsing. You know, anybody who plays an instrument will tell you if you're practicing, you've got no distractions. Mm. You know, that's what I say. If you look at it now, there's so many distractions that people struggle because they want it now where we are just rehearsed. And we never rehearsed in, a, in, the, in the mind of we want to be superstars. We rehearsed in the mind of we want to get this song right. We want to get that song right. We want to get that song right. And we want it to sound, sound like us. You know, and it was reggae music that we were playing as well, which was the, the, love, love, the love of our life, the reggae music was. Because it was our culture. And so take me back. Whose idea was it then? Because we all know that it, the original lyric to Pastor Duchy. Whose idea <laughs> yeah. was it to cover that record and, and then obviously change the lyric? Okay. So firstly, when we, we used to rehearse the songs, we used to rehearse the, hit, the, 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 the reggae hits of, the, of that the, the week yeah. or that month or that yeah. But it was the reggae hits of, because the reggae charts used to come out on a Sunday and we'd listen to it and say, right, we want to learn that one. And we want to learn that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to sing a reggae version of um, uh, Being being With You, mm-hmm. uh, Smokey Robinson Smokey. song. And I was, I, was, I was 14 and my voice was breaking. Oh. So I was like, oh. whoa. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, before we got to that, the band had done um, a jump field session. Mm. which actually ex- accelerated everything more. I wasn't singing then. It was Fred that was singing. Mm-hmm. So they'd done that jump hill session, sent it in, and he played it. You know, that, that was prestigious, the jump hill sessions. Still prestigious now. Well, there's no more, but in the annuals of BBC, that was music coming to the, to the fore. Anyway, um, we 
we'd listen to the charts and the number one chart reggae song at the time was uh, in 1981 was past the Kutchi. Yeah. So we played it because we used to take the record charts. Everybody, every black person used to take the charts. Of course. Try and catch, catch it when the DJ comes in. Yeah. <laughs> no to- no talking. Comes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Fred said, look, we can do this song, but we need to add something to it. So we got Calvin to do a little DJ on it, you know, and we came up with this generation rules the nation version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we used to sing it as past the Kutchie. And we did a gig. We'd done some gigs in London. Firstly, Ronnie Scott's, which Don Letts used to run upstairs at Ronnie Scott's. It was, oh, Don Letts, the, you know. the BBC radio and producer. Yeah, yeah well, he was videographer as well. Yeah. Um, Don put on the shows upstairs at Ronnie's. It was his promotion. And funny enough, there was a guy sat there and he looked, I looked at him. I was going to the toilet because the dressing room was at the back of the stage, but it was so small, we couldn't get changed all at the same time. So I'm going to the toilet and I've walked across the room, the, the, the floor, looked to my left, there's this guy sat there and I'm thinking, he's got his hat on and his, some hair. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, is that a guy? <laughs> or is it a guy? Or is it a girl? What, what am I looking at? I was only 14, 14 at the time. Mm. And I looked and I thought, nah, man. So I ran back to the dressing room and said, guys, Come and look at this guy. Come and look at this person here. And they come out. We're all laughing. Anyway, um, we got invited down to do... We'd been signed to MCA at the time, mm-hmm. right? This was announced on TV as well, a children's TV show. And little did we know um, how big this was. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how big it was. Yeah. We just thought, oh, they're going to come and film us. Anyway, we got invited to do a support culture club at uh, Heaven. <laughs> Right now, we didn't know what heaven was, but it turns out it's the biggest gay club in London. Yeah, it didn't bother us. I always remember this day very vividly because it was a rail and tube strike that day. Oh, and yeah, to get into London, Victoria, my gosh, it took us hours. Anyway, we got there and we'd set up, you know, we we're supporting, little unknown to us. The place was absolutely rammed. <laughs> I mean, I think something like 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when, when we've come to do past, the last song of the night was past the Kutchie. Yeah. The, Charlie A was there from MCA. And when we started up the song, the place erupted like you wouldn't know. And because of that reaction, Charlie says, after the gig, is there any way you could record this song but change the lyric? Ah, okay. Back, yeah, back then, what used to happen was when a band was signed, they'd get an advance, they'd go and buy all their instruments and whatever, which is what we did. We got new instruments, a new boss, and whatever. And then we, you'd have to demo the, you'd have to demo your album. It's a dem- demonstration tape of the album, so they get a feel. I mean, I only know this because of my experience, but it's for the marketing team to hear the songs and go, right, we think it's this. It should go this way. Yeah, and that's all it's to experience. Um, but we went into the studio, recorded all the songs that you hear on the first album, and we did Past the Kutchie, recorded it as Past the Kutchie. Then we went into the, the control room and said, what are we going to change this lyric to? Because they want us to change the lyric. So the manager at the time, Tony, says, you know what? I just... Uh, 
I gotta get some food from from out the Dutch part. And anyway, Dutch part, Dutch, Dutchy, we Dutchy, Dutchy. You can imagine we just. And all we did was wow. Ran the tape again. Went back in the studio and just changed the lyric from past the Kutchy to past the Dutchy, but also changing the line where it says "How does it feel when you got no herb?" to "How does it feel when you got God, no I food?" That's that's what you call you know. organic, isn't it? That's what you call organic. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so going back, so, so the person you're wondering if that person was a boy or a girl turned out to be boy George. <laughs> turned out to be boy George. Amazing. <laughs> so he was telling me that um, when we saw them backstage, he said, "You don't remember me." I said, "What oh. do you mean?" He said, "You, you." He pointed at me. He said, "You went and you saw me sat in Ronnie Scott's upstairs, and you went and got them." That's Michael Patrick Jr. and Calvin to come and have a look and you were all laughing at me. Really? <laughs> he remembered? Yeah. He remembered, yeah. Oh my days. Yeah, he remembered. I mean, it was a dark, it was dark in the venue. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But so. I guess you stood out because, because you know, to, to be you honest, so, so many, but so many bands do actually cut their teeth at gay clubs because it's, it's such a great audience, yeah. isn't it? It's such a great yeah. audience. It is, it is, you know, I mean, we we didn't know it didn't matter anyway. No, it didn't, no, it didn't matter at all. <laughs> but matter, past, but they loved what I, when I alter. But they but they loved the they reggae loved, and they loved past the well, Dutchy as they, it was. They did love. So that's that's how past the Dutchy was born. So so did you know how big you got at the time? Did you know when you're living it how big you were? No, 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 no. You have no idea. And what about your parents? Though? What about your parents? Because that because I think that would be. It's my, something for you mom, being famous, but your parents. My mom was non-fussed. She went to work every day because she worked nights. Mm -hmm. So she did 37 years at British, well, it turned out to be Virgin in the end, but she did 37 years working for what is now Network Rail, but it was British Rail. So she was more interested in making sure there was a roof over our head and food on the table, yeah. you know. So she went to work every day and she never, ever questioned what I was doing because as long as I wasn't getting into trouble, <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah. But they, they, but they must have been proud when they saw on top of the porch, because that is, I think that people realise, or the well, younger generations don't realise how huge being on top of the porch Erica, was. But think about it. Did your parents watch Top of the Pops? Of course. Not my mum never watched Top of the Pops. She's not, too tired. Well, what, but not, <laughs> not even in the 60s. My I sisters. Mean, yeah. My sisters watched Top of the Pops. They watched Top of the Pops. Yeah, yeah. That was a staple diet. Of music in the eighties, exactly. That was the that was the pinnacle of being a. Uh, I mean, we I didn't class myself as a pop star, but that was the pinnacle of being successful in the charts. Well, it is. It's where you, It's where people like me could see oh. their heroes. So mm. you know, and you didn't you didn't have M. Well, at the time, I didn't have MTV. Didn't have MTV know, till like it is now. Nineteen eighty one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, MTV wasn't the beast. That was the biggest show on TV. It was, it was Remember, a we only had three channels. Exactly. And and also to think that you could be walking in an anonymity one day and the next mm. day after that, after people saw Top of the Pops, I've heard it so many times before, people know your name. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but, you know, so when you were at so I mean, gosh, you guys are at school. So yes. tell us, I mean, being at school, because I, I know what that was like when we saw it. And we're like, did you see those guys on Top of the Pops? What was it like for you? Because well, how did it feel? Um, did, did it feel just, oh, I feel really good now. I don't have to do, you know, I don't have to do no homework anymore. Yeah. How did it feel? <laughs> no, that was never going to happen. <laughs> Firstly, we never got on top of the pops. 
fully until the Christmas special. Oh. Right? Because the first three, we, because, because we were so successful, we now got the education department involved because we're not at school, are we? Oh, and so legally, you're supposed to be in school. Yeah. So they managed to get us out of school. The charts used to come out on a Tuesday. We were in school on Tuesday, um, the Tuesday before the single went. When it went into number 26, we were at school and we were about to leave to go and start recording the album. Mm-hmm. So we'd left the Tuesday and the buzz, but we'd just come back from our six week holiday where we'd recorded the single, recorded the video, and we decided we're not going to say anything to anybody. That's the five of us. No. We're not telling nobody in the school. Yeah, yeah. We told them nothing. <laughs> because we said, if this thing, if this thing is a flop, yeah. they're just going to laugh at us. Right? So when we'd, we'd, we'd gone to, the record companies have this, dad used to have this retreat where all the marketing team and all the, all the record company execs and staff would go and meet and they'd have, right, this is our new artist. This is them. And we performed. And they said, well, the singer's going to come out, but we think it's going to enter the charts at number 80, something like that. Well, it came out and it was played on one of the Saturday shows, Saturday morning shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, it jumped in at number 26, which was unusual. Yeah. Then we did, uh, it was played alongside Big Girls Don't Cry. Um, by I forgot who it was. It was another artist on the Saturday morning swap shop or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we did um, Peppermill at one in that week. Oh, you're going back when a bit did, now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think Peppermill at one was like the Wednesday or the Thursday, and it was filmed here in Birmingham. Yeah, it was. And the lady said, well, "That's a Dutch part," and we showed them, and we did. I think we did two or three songs. We did never going to give you up. We did Youth of Today. We did three songs. I'm Pebble Mill at one. Mm-hmm. I went back to school the next day. But the Tuesday later, that was after the single was at number 26, the very next week, it jumped in at number one. But we were already gone. We'd left the school because the buzz around the school was the guys, they're at 26, they're at 26, like that. Wow. Yeah. So once they, once they played the video and once we'd done Pebble Mill at one, that was it. <laughs> yeah. That was it. That, that, that your life had your life had changed. Um, <laughs> to be honest, and also I, I mean, I can't. I mean, that's just for, for school children. Even now, that that would be something. It it, mm. it, it would it would just turn your head. Obviously, it would turn your head because because you're, you're now touring. You know, you're now touring. You're now doing. Because I remember seeing you on a lot of TV shows and everything and that kind of thing. <laughs> in in terms of look, you being looked after. You know, do they prep you like you know? Do they prep you in the music biz? Do they prep you on the the financial no. side or how to do no. interviews? Nothing. No, no, <laughs> no. Wow. No. But not, so you, not even a rec- not even a, not even a recording contract or anything like that. Your parents. No, no, no. Wow. No, no. We knew nothing. We knew nothing. Parents knew nothing. Uh, but our manager at the time, he was running the show. He got an accountant in. Um, he got a lawyer in, which is the lawyer was for us and they'd already signed a deal beforehand mm-hmm. without a lawyer, I believe. Oh. Even though in the contracts it tells you to seek advice from a lawyer. And, it, and oh gosh. They they tried to renegotiate it but they weren't having it. Anyway, it don't matter. 
because if you think of the genre of music and reggae artists weren't being paid mm. you know that's right for us we were lucky we would have we would a major label we would we were we were with a major label yeah rca yeah we did well it was mca mca rather not the music music corporation of america mm. Huge. Right? it was one of the big six and people didn't realize that because what they did purposely was made everything look like it was on a low-key basis. You know, when you look at the label, look at the artwork and you go, wow. And that was basically a whole marketing ploy. You know, but there was a big beast behind it. And a lot of people don't realize that because we were signed to the same label as Nick Kershaw. We had the same producer as Nick Kershaw. Who, who, wrote, who wrote your songs on the album? Was that you or, or you guys? Or we, was it we all did. Okay. We all did. We all we all, we all decided that yeah. we were going to share the share the writing credits mm-hmm. regardless. Yeah. So that was a a, a band decision. Right. So so, num- um, so number one was Pastor Duchy, which of course huge. Yeah. The, the next single was number Youth two, of Today. Youth of Today. And was, yeah. it, was that a top ten? That was top ten, wasn't it? That was top. It got to number thirteen, top twenty. Did you? How did you feel? Because obviously, number thirty. You know, after having such a huge number one. <laughs> I know. The yeah, next, your remember, next single, yeah. How, how did that feel not having, or, or what did we didn't, you, yeah. To be fair, you know, it was only, it, it was record business talk. We just went along with what we were told to do. You know, like you say, we weren't prepped for anything. We weren't prepped for interviews. We were just plumped in front, taken to the radio station. And the reason why you saw us on TV so much is because we were limited in the amount of time we could spend away from school. Okay. We were only allowed forty. We were only had forty-two days a year to record, do live shows, and videos, and all the other stuff that has come with being in the music industry. Forty-two days. It's not even a day a week. So you didn't have you know. private schooling, or no? Um, oh. Only when we travelled um, to do promotions in Germany, we had a. I mean, I was in. I was doing what they called the GCSEs. Now it was CSE at the time, mm-hmm. and my O levels. And Junior was in the same year, so we were both in our final, final year. Final year, yeah. But Patrick and Calvin and Michael had to have tutoring. You know, they had to have a tutor. So when we were in the hotels in the mornings, they'd have to get up and go to school in in a in the tutor's bedroom. But honestly, but, but be like, honest, in that time, did you feel well, I don't, you know what we've got? We're a band. We're selling millions. We don't need. No, we don't, no. We don't need the no, obligations. No, no. <laughs> you were still we on actually, it. Yeah. We weren't allowed to. I think you're bigger than any because we're from Birmingham. So at the end of the day, we just wanted to do our best. You know, again, we didn't realize how successful the band was. So, how long were you successful for? Because I always read so it was around just over a year, or but it seemed a lot yeah. longer because obviously you, it you was had three years. It was three, yeah. So you had from so 1982. Had, yeah, yeah. Go on. No, I was just saying because you had your album, the Youth yes. of Today. Um, of course. So Never Gonna Give You Up came out. Yeah. That went to number six. Yeah. Then after that was Heartbreaker. Yes. That was the fourth single on the album. That went to number 34. So it made the top 40. Yeah. Okay. And in them time, that, back then, when you did an album, it was a year later that you had to have the next album ready. Right. Okay. You know, so it was, it was like, now America was calling. So we'd gone to America. Mm-hmm. Um and we've, we'd, we'd gone to Jamaica first in the February half term to film two videos that was for Never Gonna Give You Up and Heartbreaker <laughs> so at you, the same time as doing... 
Wow. Yeah, at the same, at the same time as doing a documentary mm-hmm. for the BBC called This Is Me. Yeah. Then we flew from Jamaica in February to New York to, to go and appear on a TV show on MTV, <laughs> to oh. actually appear on the show, not be on the video, to appear on the show. Yeah. And little did we know <laughs> the history about MTV until after. It's only retrospectively, as we look back at it, we go, wow, there's no other black artist doing an interview on MTV, not even Michael Jackson. But there wasn't that, the but if, if you had known, I think sometimes things are, are best to, they you say ignorance well, is we bliss. Know. Yeah, that's what I we mean. We didn't know. So, so it was just another interview. Yeah, exactly. So you didn't know. So it was it was nice just to have that innocence, wasn't it? Really, just so That's right. not all that pressure innocence on your good. yeah on on your on your young well, we shoulders. We never felt pressure. Mm. You know, it was never. No, no, nobody ever said you're under pressure. All they ever said was, "Look, you're going to perform. Just go and do what you do." And it was something. Remember, we were we were seven days a week. So yes, just to pick up our instruments. That's it. We were in. We we're happy. And, and how well did um, Pastor Duchy do in America? Because I know obviously that is, that's always the next step, isn't it, with well, um, bands or, with, or artists? Pastor Duchy was MTV, but we also did Saturday Night Live that same time as well with the Joan Rivers. Saturday Night. Joan Rivers, the late, great Joan yeah. Rivers. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So, and Gene Simmons came to see us. Gene Simmons? In the SNL studio. As in Kiss? Gene Simmons from Kiss. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> We'd met Kiss. In Germany, so and he remembered you. So he like your old friends, he really. Came and seen us. <laughs> old friends. No, not about old friends, but he came into the dressing room and we were playing this blip game, blip, 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 the tennis game, and we weren't. He just we just said, "Ah, oh, Jesus!" Took off, <laughs> just kept playing the game because it was something else out of what we were doing. But we didn't realize how big Saturday Night Live was. Oh gosh, yeah, of course. So in America, you either broke on the West Coast or the East Coast. Mm. Well, we both. We broke on both both, uh, wow. both sides of the continent, you know. Five boys from Birmingham. In, yeah, yeah. When we end up in LA, it's a whole different ball game, <laughs> you know. We end up at a film set. How so? How, to do how? A film. So go on. We end up at a film set in a film called, um, I think it was Taxi, Mr. T. Who else was on there? Yeah, the Barabbas twins. When we met Mr. T there. And that's where Donald Summer got in touch with us. You also met another. I did mention in the, in the intro. You met Michael Jackson. How, how, yes. Was that, but, that's, how did you meet Michael Jackson? How did, did that no, come about? So Michael then? Jackson came about when we had the, the BPI Awards, which is now the Brit Awards. The Brits, yeah. yeah. It's actually still British Phonographic, but they've parted it up and put a spin on it. The Brits, the Brit Awards. The Brits sound better. Yeah. It's 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 the the British version of the Grammys. That's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we didn't all go. It was Michael and Junior that went to represent the band. And then uh, we were nominated as best newcomers. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson was there with Paul McCartney. <sighs> so our Michael was with the MD of MCA at the time, Stuart. Mm-hmm. They're at their table. Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, and his record execs are at their table. Mm-hmm. So Michael says to Stuart, uh, MD for the record company, He'd like to meet Michael Jackson. So Stuart goes and makes it, says something. And sure enough, Michael comes and says hello. Paul McCartney joins in. Linda's there. 
and they get the photo. Sorry, so I'm going to stop you there, Dennis. You just say it so matter-of-factly. So Michael Jackson came over, and so did Paul. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these, Linda, these guys are iconic. These guys are legend. These guys, I would. I, we know this. So, so, so we. we know you this. know, I have never met. I never met Michael. Never met. You know, Paul McCartney. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. so, so what? So what's going through? Your, I have to ask you. I always keep asking what's going through your mind because you're, you know, you. I guess this ride is taking you to a journey. It's not, not even people now well, would have met Paul McCartney. Introduced yes, him, no that's less. True. I mean, when we went to LA, we went down to Stevie Wonder's studio, um, radio station. Oh, now, now, now you're showing um, off now. <laughs> Stevie no, no, Wonder. This is what happened. So we went to KJLH, and the lady there says, Do you want to meet Stevie? And we go, Of course, we want to meet Stevie. Who wouldn't want to meet Stevie? Oh, gosh. So we got to meet Stevie three o'clock in the morning when we were recording the second album. But then when we were recording the second album, just before we started recording the second album, when Michael met Michael and Paul at the Brits, he actually gave Michael his number and said, look, when you come to LA, call me. And we're like, ah, oh, yeah, right, no problem. So we're, we're staying in our accommodation up in Beverly Hills. And um, <laughs> so Michael's calling, calling, and he gets an answer service. Now the answer service is actual human being who's taking the number. Mm-hmm. And then Michael calls back, calls back, his answer services, I got Mr. Jackson on the phone for you. No. Michael's going, no, Michael's getting all excited. So then he goes, Dennis is here, you want to talk to him? And I get on the phone, he goes, hi. And I'm like, wow. Anyway, he invites us over to the house in Encino. And we, we spent the day oh, there. Oh, his parents, yeah. You spent, yes, the, day, you spent the day there, spent did the you? Day. Yeah, so it was with Janet, Latoya. What? Randy, Marlon, Tito, Jermaine. Yeah, they were all there. All of them were there. Yeah, all of them. And mum and dad. And the three T's. And no, the... mum and dad weren't there. Oh, my God. So what, what so do you talk about this... with Michael Jackson and his siblings? What do you talk about Just with him? Talk... Well, first we'd met Jermaine beforehand. So Jermaine must have told him. Yeah. Uh, Michael must have gone and had a look. Because he, was... he knew the band. Natalia knew the band. Janet knew the band. And uh, what we did, we went down there and... <laughs> We were all quiet when we got to the room, when we got to the house. As soon as he met us, he, he took us around the house, showed us every room in the house. In Encino, did he? Yes, yes, every room. Now, now, in the studio. I'm going to be nosy. I'm going to be nosy. What was the house like? Beautiful. Lovely house. Swimming oh. pool, manicured gardens. He's got his um, llamas and his monkey oh, wow. and his snake mussels. Oh, muscles, yeah, that's snake. Muscles. So then he said, look, um, I've just done done this thing. First we said, we love Billie Jean, whatever. And we said, what are you going to do next? And he said, well, I love horror films. So I'm going to do one more video, and that's for for the song Thriller, because I like horror films, and he just left it. You're in conversation with Michael Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So anyway... His neighbours were there with us because they were they were young kids as well. Mm. Me, Michael, Michael's two neighbours, Michael Jackson. He said, "Look, I've just done this recording for um, Motown 25." Mm. I said, "Okay." Mm. He said, I- "I'll show you." So we go up to the bedroom. He said, "It's a mess." The bedroom wasn't a mess; it was a massive room. Sorry, anyway. hang on. Sorry, sorry. You go to Michael Jackson's bedroom now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all up there, four, five of us. Wow. All five of us. And it was messy, you say. It was messy. He said it was messy. It wasn't messy. Okay. He puts this video in and 
that's when he does the moonwalk. And if you remember, after that show, the whole world went crazy for Thriller. We went mad. And yes, because of that moonwalk dance. And um, yeah, we were, our mouths dropped to the floor because me and Michael looked at each other and went, oh my gosh. So he, so he sh- he's showing you this Motown yeah, 25 this before, show- before, yeah, before, before it was released. even yeah. shown. Yeah. 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 You had a first class private exclusive with Michael Jackson. Yeah. And a yeah, pre edited. Yeah, yeah, if you want to, if it took for, for want of a better word, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless, yeah. Dennis. I'm absolutely speechless. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, I mean, obviously, what, whatever happens in your, you know, in terms of your music career, these sort of things, you, you say, you know what? I haven't done too badly. We didn't do too badly. You must think that. <laughs> because come on. No. You don't I think, don't think that way. Really? No, no. I don't think that way. I don't think that way because it's never in my psyche to think that way. Yes. Yes, it's nice. Yes, it's fantastic. Yes, it's you should big up yourself and talk about all it. But sometimes you just gotta just let people be, you know. Because that experience nobody else can talk to me about. Or Michael. Mm. And funny enough, that day, later in the day, who should come by? Jane Fonda, who has the what? biggest, biggest keep fit video in the world. Jane Fonda just pops by. There is a photo, and I'm trying to get it. There's a photo of me, Michael, Jane Fonda, and muscles around my shoulder. I'm trying to get my sister in law to get it for me. So. Sorry, I'm 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 quiet because I, I'm taking this all in. Jane Fonda. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I think I would just just have been happy in that moment. If I never had another <laughs> single again, that would have been me. But okay. So, so I mean, okay, so you, then obviously, so the collaboration with Donna Summer, was that on this, this still this, this first album or was it? Because obviously, no, it was on the second album. Right, because this is what I wanted to, always wanted to ask with artists. It's well, what, they always it say wasn't it's on the f- second album. Yeah. It was on Donna's comeback album. Donna's album, okay. Because she'd become a Christian at the time. That's right, yeah. And the song is about agape love. That's what it's about. Because you kind of, in terms of how it sounds, it 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 was more of a not so reggified, was it? I think it was more. No, it was. So, so whose idea was it going that direction? Was was that the direction that you've no, no, to no. go in for now? It, remember, this was Donna's song. We yeah. were just singing on Donna's song. Understand? Yeah, but on the second album, because of course people always ask you. Well, not ask you. I hear people say, you know, it's not the first album you have to worry about. It's the second one. Yeah, second album is called The Sophomore in it. Yeah. And it, remember, we had to record it a year after the first one. Yeah, a whole year. And whatever you do in your life, in, in musical life, your first album is a lifetime's work. Mm. Everything else is after that. Yeah. You know. Um, so because the Americans have decided, well, this band is bigger than what we thought, we're going to get it. We're going to try and appeal to the American market because the single, Pastor Dutchie went to number 10. In America, which is big. Because if you go and look at the charts at the time, in the charts at the time, <laughs> the different the kind of music that was there was nothing to do with reggae. Yeah, we'd already just lost Bob Marley, so and we weren't we weren't kids with locks, you know. <laughs> so you guys had done anyway. it. So you guys had done it before you be forty because they did it in yeah, eighty nine, I think, did. in the second time round they did it for Red Red Wine. Yeah. So okay, yeah. so 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 you did with Donna Summer and you got the second album. So so how was that? Receive the second album. Well, 
because it, because we recorded it in America, there's a lot of uh, different kind of influences in there. Um, what soulful but, influences or not soulful? Just just I mean, we did 007. We did Tell Me Why. Mm-hmm. Um, we did got, uh, we wrote three songs when we were there. Then we had 16, and 16, the lyrics to 16 was written by Lamont Dozier, by the late, great Lamont the great, Dozier. great, great Lamont yeah. Dozier from Dozier Holland. Yeah, from Ho- Holland, Dozier Holland, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the lyrics for that song. And also, um, we had Wawa Watson, who did Shaft, the mm-hmm. guitar Shaft. Yeah. Then we had Hawk, Hawk Olinsky, who wrote Ain't Nobody, who played keyboard Ooh, on yeah. one of the tracks. Um, we had the Brecker Brothers, we had the Sea Wind Horn section, who played on um, Michael Jackson's album. So we had some monster musicians on that album. Um, it was kind of warmly received, I'll say that. So yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag, you know. And so t- so tell me, after a year, I'm always thinking now, well, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, I'm not, I've never been a, you know, a singer, mm-hmm. stinging style. Uh, maybe you can tell me this. After a year, do, do you see the royalties coming to you? Was, yes. was, your, was your life um, now changing? Could could you now afford yes. Lamborghinis? And no, no, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't old enough to drive. So why would you want a Lamborghini? <laughs> we were encouraged to go and buy a car. Yeah, I mean, I gave my mom the money to to buy her house. Oh, um, Michael and Calvin did the same. Bought their mom and dad's house. How we lovely! Moved, up, moved to a nice part, a leafy part of Birmingham. Mm. Um, and the first royalty statement that came in actually paid off. The advance that the record company had paid us. So oh, wow. during the eighties, we were probably one of the only record um, bands that was in the black with the record company in terms of royalties. Oh, so, so that's what happens then. So the advance, the, the band has to pay back yeah. eventually. And if you don't sell, yeah. if you don't sell the units, you kind of that's what happens. You you're owing the record company. The you are bankrupt. Yeah. So all the videos, when you're not bankrupt, they'll either make a decision to continue to bankroll you or they'll make a decision to let you go. Um, uh, and unfortunately, after we, we recorded the second album, um, we were still doing, we did we did the biggest reggae festival in the world, which was Reggaeton Splash. Mm-hmm. We did the biggest jazz festival in the world, which was the Montreal Jazz Festival. We headlined that on a Saturday night. Um, we did Reggae at the Palace, which was Reggaeton Splash at Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did Japan, Bangkok, uh, LA, and we just lost Irene Cara. When we recorded the second album, yeah. 16, Irene Cara sang a female vocal on 16. Oh, did she? Okay. Yeah, she did. She recorded her vocal. Oh, what a beautiful 16. vocal that would have been, yeah. And, uh, but we'd gone out for the Grammy Awards and were nominated for Best Newcomers, and it was given to. Coast Club on it, but we were there when Michael picked up the eight Grammys. You were the eight Grammys, the record eight Grammys. Yeah, you the eight. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day we were doing a gig at the Beverly Hill Theatre, and Irene Cara came and sang with us. It was my birthday, it was my seventeenth birthday. She came and sang with us. Your seventeenth birthday was that? My seventeenth birthday. Oh, wait, yeah. not even eighteen yet. Oh, how lovely. No. And UB40 were there, Stevie Wonder was there, the Jacksons were there, but they had to go. Mm. Um, Summer came down. So, yeah, it was, it was just... 
Oh, rest in peace, you know? Irene. Oh, she's lovely. Lovely. Yes, indeed. Sweet um, voice. Sweet woman. She's beautiful, beautiful voice. So so when did it all start to unravel? Could you could you um, do, do, can you sort of pinpoint a time where you think, hang on a minute, so and so I mean, did you all still remain I know you're all family, but did you still remain talking well, talking levels? Two sets of families and me. Yeah, but yeah, but you That's were family. Way. You you were you weren't family yeah, in blood, yeah. but you were family. Come on. We, we couldn't tour like every other artist, which mm. if we could it would help us. Because it meant we were doing what we loved doing. Because we could only work four to two days a year, that didn't help us. That was detrimental to us. Anyway, we went out to do some shows in the West Indies. We went out to do some shows in Jamaica, St. Kitts, St. Thomas, St. Croix, Antigua, mm. I believe. And it started unraveling when we got back to Jamaica because Patrick wasn't well. Oh. So when we came back, we had to leave Patrick in Jamaica. Oh, you had to leave him? And then, yeah, because he was in a... We had to take him to the hospital. Oh, dear. You know, like Betty Ford Clinic, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. And um, we kept it all hush hush. And when we came back, the rumours that they were going to get rid of Patrick, and I was like, no, 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 no. I wasn't happy. I'd become a Christian, so they were going to get rid of him because he wasn't well. That that, that was the rumour. Yeah, that was the rumour. And I thought, no, they can't do that. So wow. I just said, you know what? I'm not happy. I'm leaving. And the band was stunned. And I said, no, I'm going. I'm not, I don't don't want to do it anymore. You know, so that that was 85, 1985, I was 18 years old. My mum never questioned it, she just said, I just wanted to be happy. So the lawyers tried to convince me to stay and I was like, nope. Little did I know I was giving up my wages, <laughs> my salary, my, everything that was giving me a living. And I had to go and... Because, it, because was Patrick do. was your friend, your dear friend, he no, didn't no. like it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like how it was being... That was going. If somebody would have said, and plus they got rid of the the manager as well, so that kind of. Oh right, so the manager had gone. Okay, so why did they because, get rid of the manager? Because he's obviously bringing the royalties. So why did they get rid of him? No, he wasn't bringing the royalties. It was a record company paying the royalties. The manager was just doing his role as a manager, yeah, so, trying so, to get a gig. Yeah, yeah, but he but he's but doing with, he's doing his job very well. So why get rid of him? Oh, almost, almost. Okay, I mean. The accountants would question that, and, and Michael had Michael and Mal, Michael and Calvin's mum and dad. We had one lawyer for the five of us, and then we had one lawyer for three of us, and one lawyer for two of us. And one of those lawyers was not a music lawyer; he specialised in divorce. Okay. So his understanding of the music industry was limited. Zilch, yeah. He actually learned from them, but you know what? Michael and Calvin's mum and dad made a decision because they weren't happy with how the how the band was being run. Mm. So that's why they did it, and I can understand as an adult now looking back. I can go in hindsight; they were correct, they were right in what they were doing. They're protecting their kids, which they should have done. Right. Okay. That's it that's very that, that is that is heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking. So after so after, of course, you you you, you quit. So you threatened to quit. You quit. Mm-hmm. Um, I quit. Pat and Patrick was still not well. Patrick came back. He did come back with you. So, uh, so he was here. He was here. He didn't come back with us, but he'd come back. He did come back eventually. So what? So then, what did happen to the remaining the remain, remaining members? So basically, uh, Michael and Calvin, I've got, Michael would have to answer this, but they kind of the mum and dad would see them. Uh, Patrick and Junior, they uh, I sided with them mm-hmm. because they were my best friends, obviously. Yeah, and it was like a fraction. But we had no manager. We had no direction. In fact, 
um, it's just it's just a sad ending. That's all. How it went. So it, it um, literally just it literally just fizzled out as quickly as that. Fizzled out, yeah. Because, because we weren't in London, we didn't have the, the pressure of anybody in the press. In Birmingham, the press don't want to travel to Birmingham to get any answers. <laughs> no, I guess that's a good thing because you're out of that was, that heat of a yeah, bubble of London. Was, yeah, yeah. There was no big announcement like when take that broke up <laughs> like that, like that at all. So what happened to it's you? Because because he worked because from if I from memory, it was like you're everywhere all the time. To then we didn't see you as much so what happened in that so what happened when you didn't see you did you go back to school what happened did you go back to school I, did you what no, i no. went and studied acting whilst well, i was still in the band i was studying acting so i went to theater school uh-huh. i was in a college in west bromwich mm-hmm. or wensbury um i couldn't tell you what michael and calvin did i could only tell you my life <laughs> but in terms <laughs> of your in, in terms of your front your your royalties was that protected um well funny enough when I left the band, I didn't realise, and the lawyers never, em- the lawyer never emphasised to me that you're still going to get royalties. I just felt, I just thought, well, you don't get any more money because you're not working with the band anymore. Yeah. It was never expressed to me that you're entitled to royalties, and so, I could say that wholeheartedly. No one told you that. No, no, oh. and my mum never questioned it because she never knew. The manager who should have known because he looked after me for a year, he never knew because he would have. He would have obviously chased it up otherwise. He didn't know? Right. Uh, well, if he did, he didn't tell me. And he didn't tell Michael. And he didn't tell Calvin. And he didn't definitely tell Patrick or Junior. But somebody knew you about know? royalties. And then they just... Well, and, oh well the record God. company would know. Wow. The lawyer would know. It was only 18 years later that we got paid. Yes, we never got paid for 18 years. And then they only paid us for six years of those 18 years because of the statute of limitation. Yeah. So, you know, they just ripped us off, basically. But that's the music industry. And the contract says they will exploit you. And, you know, but you hear so many stories of the music industry eating its young and, and and that type of thing. It's... It still goes on yeah. now, doesn't it? It's still you'll still have recording artists oh, yeah, who sign yeah. deals away, really not making anything, especially in the streaming industry. You, you do wonder how yeah. much they get per play. <laughs> um, well, you can find out. Just go on Google and see how much they get yeah. per play. Yeah, I, I know. I know it's not very much. I know it's not very much. Um, no. So Kelvin must have gone back to school because he was only young anyway. So he must have gone back yeah, to he school. Was, he, he, he was still at school. Michael's just about to leave school, um, and Michael talks about. The press put him in the press that his career is over. And he was only 16. Oh, gosh. So, and he had to continue. So, no mental health awareness then, did we, back in those days? So, there was no mental health awareness. He just got on with it. So, no, so you, <laughs> weren't, you weren't offered awareness. any counselling or anything? You just... No, record company just dumped us and just said, see you later. That was it. How did you, you must have felt angry? And I know, I know you're not. I know no, you're not I wasn't angry, angry. I know you're not an angry no. kind of guy, but really, not, no, no resentment. Angry. No resentment. No resentment. No. It's only in hindsight you can you cannot. At the time, there was no resentment. At the moment, my only goal is, and my my, my first is first to 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 make sure the legacy is taken care of first mm. and foremost. Yeah, because for a long time. The negativity towards the band was kind of palpable for me. Um, but then as the internet came about and 
Facebook and all that, you see how much love there is. And when we do the 80s festivals, you know, and I know that sometimes we do a gig, we do Butlin's 80s shows, and people always come up to me after the gig and go, you know what? I thought music to you. I thought you guys were going to be rubbish. This is this is what they say. I thought you guys were going to be rubbish, but you actually made my weekend. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and that's testament to. Remember, I said the organic. Yeah, it was organic. That's because we we could perform. We could perform in the pub, as well as Wembley Stadium. It didn't matter to us. It was just the performance, and it's always been about the performance. But as I look back, as I look at. If I start talking about the business itself, how the business treated us, it's shocking. Somebody said, I had a manager who looked after me when I was in LA and he said, if music and youth would take that, this would have never happened. And you yeah. could put whatever connotation you want on that. Mm-hmm. So you've got five black guys and five white guys who were put together by a, a conglomerate mm-hmm. and five black guys who were put together by their dad and some low-level manager. But they had more success in terms of worldwide success. Yeah, I can go to America and do gigs. Certain artists here who never even had a number one are treated like they're better than music and youth than I know. They didn't have as many hits as music and youth. They never got a Grammy nomination like music and youth. And they never touched the world like music and youth. They never put boundaries like you guys. And like you say, they... uh... Well, we're still playing your records. <laughs> of course. Um, and funny enough, um, they've started to release, because it's the 40th anniversary, mm. Universal. And as I said, my, my whole goal is to make sure when I pass, my kids get what I, I want them to have, which is the, the fruits of my labour, which is not really much labour, but <laughs> because I've got denied for 18 years and I had a friend pass away, thinking he was broke, and he wasn't. That's the palpable side of it. That's what makes me kind of yeah. want to rise up and say, hey, you know, this should have never happened. And yeah. I hope every time I do every time I do an interview, I have to say it because mm. it's embarrassing. Not for me. No. It's not embarrassing for me because I was a child. Well, it exactly. It's embarrassing to them being corporate, it's corporate, not... corporate, corporate America, corporate Britain. For those record companies, it should be embarrassing for them, not me. No, no embarrassment <laughs> no. on you guys at all. You just had your talent and exploited for it so of course we exploited so i did say then also intro you touched on that too there there is was some sadness because of course two members yeah. two of your i'm going to call them brothers because you were brothers they are know. brothers um they were brothers yeah they are brothers. they are brothers you know where they are i know i know long i no longer i no longer yeah. with us so, um and do, do you think that was a result of the band and just like you say they nah. went away because they were broke nah. i thought they were broke and they weren't nah like I said, what caused us our problems was we couldn't tour like every other band. Yeah. So that was part of it. But I can't blame the breakup of the band on that because there's many years past. There's a lot of water passed under the bridge since the band split up in 85. Right? Patrick passed away when he was 24, just coming up to 25. Oh, Rare heart condition. Could oh, have happened dear. at any time. Such you, a young you, boy. You about 15 year, yeah, yeah. 15-year-olds passing up there. Um, you know, dying. Fit of the three footballers passing, you know, dropping yeah. on the pitch. Mm-hmm. That's basically what happened to him. And of course his the brother as well. Not the, the salacious press like the sun. <laughs> yeah, they would try and make out like it, was, it wasn't drugs because that's what they're trying to make out. It, was. it wasn't well, that, drugs. 
Well, that's a narrative they want to uh, they want to peddle, isn't it? Of course. So, um, that's yeah. one to peddle because it's a black person mm. and he's from inner city Birmingham. But so, he had a heart condition. You know, oh, dear. Had a heart condition, and then finding out about Junior in the summer. His brother, yeah, not nice. Yeah, he it wasn't nice. recently. Yeah, I mean, I can't yeah. imagine. So, yeah, wasn't nice um, because how can I say? Uh, he was only fifty-five. Mm. And no if you saw him at 18, he was the life and soul of the band, 17, 18. And I look at him now and I think, wow. And, you know, this is my best friend. Mm -hmm. But we grew apart, which happens, you know. Mm. But his illness was one of the reasons why we grew apart, his illness, you know. And uh, so it's, you know, it's rock and roll, unfortunately. Um, and, and do, and... But like I said, no, no, like you said, go on, sorry. Like I said, for me, it was a legacy. And I have to, how can I say? I have to make, make the world know that this guy who's passed away at one point in his life was the best drummer in the world mm. for his age. Yeah. <laughs> and even when I listen to the album, I listen to it objectively, not because it's my band, I listen to the first album and the recordings and the second album, and I think, Listen to this. Listen to this band, yeah. Yeah. Listen to these guys. And listen to them. <laughs> that you just know? brings that's you, immense pride. Has to be. You're, you're, oh yeah, yeah. Not, you know, you're all still school kids, and you're you're playing like seasoned veterans. You know, yes. and you had this am, a mass of yeah. We knew nothing. <laughs> yeah, but you and but, that's, but all the practice. But you loved what you did, and it, it came from love, yeah. and I th and it, that, that yeah, showed. Yeah. It really did show because when we used to watch it and everything and the music, it was just beautiful. So, um, in terms of, um, or you know, of course, you, you told me that uh, you and Michael, uh, who, who lives in Canada yeah. now, doesn't he? He's not. He's not. He lives in Canada with yeah. his kids. And, and yeah. so, so, so Kelvin and Kelvin did 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 he ever go back Calvin, into the music industry or didn't want Calvin's to? Kelvin's been to be back. In, I mean, I asked him to come and join me and Michael twice, and he said no. So I just left it at that. Mm. He's got his own um, project going on. Yeah. Um, we we recorded when reggae was king. Mm -hmm. That was the, the fourth album which we recorded. The third album was the under underground kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and I'm just starting to record another album now. So you know, I'm with a vague where I just want to just keep recording because and go and perform, 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 perform. That's what I love doing. And you know, but we do. Uh, but I also yeah. know, I also know that because we we didn't. We, I think we just sort of fatally over Stevie Wonder. But I know that you were, were on speed dial with him at one point, weren't you? Well, I'm always on speed dial with Steve. Um, when I did my solo album at yeah. 21, 22, Stevie wrote two songs and produced two songs wow. and appeared in the video. So Stevie never went into people's videos, even though he wrote the song. But I had that honor, you know. Oh, do, no, do you know what I mean? When you me. when you hear those things, when you hear that, there is no <laughs> yeah, yeah. way on earth, you know, bands come and go, bands are still around. I could name a few bands yeah. now that that would have never happened to. He wouldn't have even touched, you know, some bands now. So I know. it's got to be good, isn't it? It's got to feel good. He's such a good guy. He's such a fan guy. He's like, wow. He doesn't forget. And do, you and know. you still speak now if if you have to ring you know who to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know who to ring if you I've got his number yeah I've got his number you've I got his, his I need to get older, he's got <laughs> if he wants his number oh my god yeah you know people go people say to you who's the most famous name you got in the phone yeah Stevie yeah. Wonder there you go there oh. you go what, well, at least what, I... more, what more do you want 
can I say that I can play that one away game? So I know you. That means I know Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. So, so what? Separation. There you go. So, so what happens now then? Uh, of course, we, we. I know you, you. You do the circuit of all like the eighties stuff, and you know you do. You, yeah. uh, so we saw in the Commonwealth Games. Um, was that this right, year or last so the year? Commonwealth Games was so immensely ago. proud of that. Mm. Immensely proud of that. Birmingham, yeah. The excitement. It was palpable, really, when we did the rehearsal. When I went to the first rehearsal, the kids there, and because of because of the song "Past the Dutch of Being Stranger Things," mm. which yes. was the biggest show on Netflix, couldn't believe just, it. That just accelerated it even more. You know, I was in I was in Vegas with my wife mm. for thirty years, and we were on our thirtieth anniversary. And I go to see a friend of mine who's a royalty investigator. And he said, he's gone, have a look at this. And he's going, yeah. wow. All he's going, wow, wow. Yeah. I'm like, what's wrong? He said, look at your songs. It's number two here, number one there, number two. And I'm thinking, what the heck? <laughs> what's it all about? And he, he said, it's Stranger Things. What's Stranger Things? I don't know Stranger Things. Oh, you didn't did really? Oh, my God. No, I didn't know. Because I, I, I think I texted you when I, when I saw it. I thought, what? Is that part of the... Yeah, yeah. Because it's set yeah. in the 80s, isn't and, it, that part? And that's what they... I, yeah. I kept getting calls from my friends going, my kids don't believe I know you. And I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, even today, even today, if somebody I've known, I haven't spoken to about six, seven years, mm. told me and said, my 10-year-old daughter saw Stranger Things and I told her I know you. And I'm, coming to, I'm coming to a festival that you do next year. She wants to meet you, blah, blah. Oh, good night. But yeah, it was, the excitement was palpable. And, when we did when we did the when we did the coming when we did the closing ceremony, I'm not just blowing our own trumpet, but I think we were the excitement of the night. You, no you did get a good cheer. You did perform. get a good cheer. You did. You did I get mean, a good cheer. They treated us. We had a great time for two and a half minutes. You know, my son was there with me on stage. Michael oh, was there. Proud. Uh, the band. So it was just like, wow, this is. We we we. I mean, we totally totally enjoyed ourselves. The unfortunate thing is we didn't get to keep the seat. <laughs> oh no! But and do, but but do you will you be doing new music or do you think you know you, this yes. is it? yeah? We are doing new music. Uh, in fact, we just started new production. But what I was getting to with the record company, uh, as it was the 40th anniversary, they did contact me, and I could tell in the way um, mm. the A and R head of A and R was head head was talking to me. He was a bit unsure because of what I said earlier, mm. how they ripped us off. Yeah. And I said to him, I just said to him, look, this is our legacy, and I am going to make sure our legacy is put out in the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So I'm going to assist you, assist you in helping our product. That's hard to do with it, because if yeah. I go negative on it, that's detrimental it to me. It won't happen, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they've been doing is, um, since the 40th anniversary of Dutchie in September, then they released Never Gonna um, These were all done on, they actually released a sped up version of Path of Dutchie for TikTok generation because mm-hmm. the kids on TikTok yeah, listen to all the music sped up. I don't yeah. know why, don't ask me why. Yeah, they do. Anyway, do they? Yeah. <laughs> so then they released um, the special, these are all specials now, you can get them on vinyl, uh, 12 inch of Dutchie. Then you've got uh, with some uh, other remixes online. Then you've got Youth of Today, um, 
there's never going to give you up in there and they've done Heartbreaker, then they're going to do the album and they've gone the whole hog, which is great. I mean, you know, it reaches a, another audience. Um, and that's the longevity. That's the longevity, we isn't it? Big, we didn't know how big the band was. Yeah. But remember, we never owed them any money. So <laughs> they're yeah. on a win-win, aren't they? So Exactly, exactly. And I get to find out that whatever we got paid was only 10% of what they made. <laughs> Yeah, wow. <laughs> and in the eighties, that was a lot of money. <laughs> you know, it is a lot of money. But I think, yeah, it's a lot of money. It is. I think still is a lot of money to be honest. If still making I it, don't, but um, I don't concentrate. If I was to concentrate on the money, uh, and I always tell people this: if you're getting into the music business for the money, you're in the wrong game. And nobody can guarantee you anything. Don't care how much money they got. It could be Simon Cowell. He can't guarantee you nothing. He can guarantee you publicity, but he can't guarantee your longevity. Well, this is it, you it see. I mean, I, when you watch a lot of these um, celebrity shows now, a lot of them have yeah. been, are, are people who have been on these X Factor or, you know, Britain's yeah. Got Talent. That's, and you think, but you yeah. shouldn't be there. Why are you not selling? You shouldn't. You, you, exactly. <laughs> It's not that they shouldn't be there. They've done a, they've done a, one of the biggest TV shows in the country. So the instant success of that, on the back of that, you get instant success. But then you, you realise yeah. it's a machine. It's a PR machine. It's, right? the, it's the maintaining, so, isn't it? You have to. You, it's learning how right. to stay there. Trying, That's the hardest. Trying bit. to maintain it. Yeah. That's their problem. They're trying to maintain it. <laughs> You see where I'm coming from? Do you, do you still see? Do you still think the music industry? There's a big difference. With I think we talked about it with Take That and Black and White years. artists. Yeah, even now. Of course. Yeah. Even now, um, I, I I could name countless artists, black artists, who are fantastic performers, uh-huh. songwriters, that don't get the just deserves or just deserves, I should say. Yeah. And. The, the representation now, obviously we have Stormzy, but Stormzy is only going to hit a certain part of that the, the market. Mm. Yeah, doesn't cross that divide. Um, I suppose Beverly Knight would be crossing that divide to a degree, but then Beverly's got more theatre. She's no going to, she's to in the West End now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's got more theatre, yeah. and you look at all the black artists, and you work it, you go down and see who's representing the. I suppose you'd say, oh, Storms is representing the inner city now. Is he? Or is he re- representing a certain type of inner city? You know? Well, he has, he has certainly awareness. changed. It's, it's kind of, yeah, he's, he's not the same he artist as he attitude. was. Yeah, yeah. No, but in 40 years' time, are we going to be talking about going to see Stormzy? Can you guarantee me that? Because, you know... We play reggae music. I know reggae music will be there. Mm-hmm. Whether I'll be here is a different thing altogether. And I, we had a, we had a, a guy who used to look after us, Tops Henderson, fantastic guy. He said, why hasn't there never been another musical you? Mm-hmm. And he's expecting me to go and find it. And I'm like, well, there's a reason why there's not another musical you, because I've tried to find young artists. And the minute we started working with that young artist, it comes out, it's not long before, well, how much money are we going to make? Or how are you going to do this? Uh, blah, blah, blah. I need this, I need that. And I'm like, but you haven't done anything yet. Oh, God. You know, so it's not for the want of trying. Don't get me wrong. It's the attitude. I have so, tried. Yeah. 
you're just dealing with different, you know, people think that it's going to come quick. like that. And, and, that's where, and that's where they fail. And that's where they fail. But as I've stated to you there now, you name me a, a black artist, male or female, right now, who's... Stormzy's a different genre. Stormzy's the inner city culture. Yeah, that's come out into, how can I say, into the mainstream, almost. Because I don't know how big he is in America. You see where I'm coming from? As much as I love Adele, I think she's a great yeah. talent, great voice. And of course yeah. she is. I'm not pre- you know, preaching to the converted. Here. I do love Adele. Um, I, I just think that how many black artists before her have gone before oh, her yeah. and who haven't even. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. That there, there, there is, there is, you know, you know, difference. You, you think where, where, where's our Whitney? <laughs> where's our Whitney? I suppose you could quote say Beverly, but Beverly's had to go down a different route, hasn't she? Yeah, she, because she, she should have been, a, career, she should have been a much bigger star, a much bigger recording star. Be, than Be, Beverly can sing like a, like, oh, like an angel. Beautiful voice, beautiful. And girl. she can sing like it. She can sing the, with the best soul divas of this world. And she's Lisa a Paris is the same. And she's a West Midland as well, isn't she? The same way. Misha yeah, Paris. She's from yeah. Love that Misha. You know, I love Misha. Uh-huh. But again, an amazing voice. A totally amazing voice, but doesn't get treated by the mainstream. Mm. Yeah. You know. So why am I talking like this? Because I'm looking for the next. America does it all the time. They find the next one. They look for the next Beyonce. They actively look for the next Beyonce. They've got a bigger pool, care. though. They do have a bigger pool than I we get, do. I get, I get that. <laughs> but they don't mind. They don't mind. That pool comes from a TV show, mm. TV talent show, or from some guy who's owning his own label. They don't care. Yeah. If that talent is there, they're going to work it. You know, I get, I hear what you're saying, but global success from the UK black artists, global success, not just, you know, Music for Youth was an international band, international. For a reggae band, that's some big thing. It's huge. You know. Huge, you know. actually huge. And I and I, I, I really do wish you well in your quest. I really do. When you, to, to, <laughs> I to find. I have got time. <laughs> well, you've got plenty of time, come on. <laughs> you've got plenty of time. I mean, look, Clive yeah. Davis, how old is Clive Davis? There you go. Oh, Clive Davis, don't, <laughs> don't get me started. Oh, okay. That man's got perfect pitch. That man's got perfect pitch. And, and when I found that out, I thought, no wonder he can pick a song and he yeah. can pick a vocalist. Yeah. You know, ex lawyer as well. Ex lawyer. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. So, so okay, so for now, we could see, we could see on the, we see on the, 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 the circuit, the 80s circuit, but really, you do. We're going yeah, to see, gonna see behind the scenes as well. <laughs> Maybe. I'll probably do a video. I'm still going to do that book that's coming soon. Eventually, oh, listen. You, that book with all the with all those amazing photos. If you don't do that book with all them, I can ghostwrite it for you. Come on, let's, let's do this. Let's, just, <laughs> let's can, do this. We can, we can just do it and just get on with it. Dennis, you, either. Dennis, you've had an amazing, and I'm not telling you, you've had an amazing career. You still do. Well, it hasn't um, finished yet. It hasn't finished. <laughs> yes, I'm saying you've had you, yeah. you still you still do. It's amazing that you know people are still singing your songs. And I think you have you have mm. to take great pride from that and. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and to me, you're, you're a legend. And you've met loads of legends. Yeah, thank you. To me, oh, yeah. so they're my friends too. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Seaton, Musical You, thank you for joining thank the Regular Lounge this evening. And yeah. Uh, yeah, 
just um yeah I'm, I'm still getting over the michael jackson and everything like that but um, <laughs> it's okay we, we're good we're good we're good